what is man that he should care for him? We are but like the grass of the field. We're here today and gone tomorrow. But your great love and your mercy, they descend to us day after day, morning after morning. You renew your mercies to us. Who are we, O Lord, that you should be mindful of us? Yet, your word says you made us just a little lower than the angels. To sit by your side, to inherit your love, that we are children in the household of the Lord Most High, the King of the universe, for whom impossibility is nothing. Everything is possible to you, God. So this morning I pray, Father, that you'd invade our hearts and our minds. Remove the things, O Lord, that prevent us from hearing or from accepting. Maybe it's lies. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's just goodness. But Lord, your holiness and your justice surpass all that. So I pray, Father, that you'd empty us this morning of ourselves. That we'd be ready vessels to receive what you have given us, Father. Sing that Holy Spirit line one more time there, Maggie. overcome by his presence. Amen. We are nothing without the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> Thank you, worship team, for leading us to the throne of grace. I'm always overwhelmed by how much God cares for us. You know, his word says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And sometimes I find <laughs> his kindness more than I can bear, more than his rebukes and his discipline. The Lord is good all the time, all the time. The Lord is good. That's the way it is. You know, a lot of times <clears throat> as believers, we're not always sure where we are in terms of we hear the Lord. Is that just my brain working overtime? Or is that just my you know, empathy? And if you're a person who's, uh, you know, who has a gift of service and things like that, you like always want to jump help somebody else. Is that just me? Or, you know, well, yes to all of the above. <laughs> you know, we have to understand. You know, while I leave in the in the morning, a lot of times say, Holy Spirit, I'm just going with the confidence that whatever I'm putting my hands to today is what you've got for me to do. Now, if I'm being stupid, you better haul me back because I'm going over the edge of the cliff otherwise. 
But we have to assume that. Jesus said, I'm with you always. When I go, what, what did he tell the disciples? I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And what's he going to do? Lead us into all manner of truth and show you things that are yet to come. And I believe sometimes that <clears throat> Christians haven't learned to take advantage of this gift that the Lord has given us. Yeah, we can ask him, Lord, what's going to happen? He may or may depending on, on, uh, what's, you know, on what he has planned. But that is available to us. <clears throat> so, this morning's main passage, I just want to read to you from here and encourage you in knowing that God is with you, his presence is inside you, and he has given you things to do and words to speak uh, in this day and age that we live in where the Word of God can change anything. You know, one of the things I always tell people is people always were, well, I'm not a big light. You know, I'm just a little bitty, you know, matchstick. Not a big. Well, let me ask you this. If it's dark, how much light does it take to get rid of the darkness? How much light? Any amount of light. No matter if it's a flicker or it's a spark or it's a flaming bonfire, as soon as that thing goes on, the darkness is gone. So don't be discouraged by the size of, size of your flame. It's getting rid of darkness like it was designed to do. All right? Jeremiah chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 4 onwards. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb... Lindsay, Max, Tyson, Victoria, Gail, Brother Charles, before you were born, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you and will rescue you, says, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to approve and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to point. Father, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, Lord. Speak to us and put that kernel, Lord, whatever it is that we need to grow and bear fruit in our lives, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> so obviously, speaking to Prophet Jeremiah, and Jeremiah lived in a time when Israel was in exile, right? So they've been captive, captured by the Babylonians. They live in exile. There are several of these, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, <clears throat> all prophets who were in captivity when Israel was under captivity. So even though they were in a dark place, God's still using prophets. Even though they were captured by somebody and held up by somebody, God is still speaking and doing his word through his people, right? 
And you know, sometimes God's ways are not like ours. And <clears throat> just give, for instance, Nehemiah. You know, he, he was walking around what? This is, this is what I say. God works in mysterious ways, and we should not say, well, there's, here's our plan, and this is how we need to fit Jesus into it. Because a lot of times that's what we do. The church wants to do something. Maybe it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And maybe you want to do something. You get it all worked out, and at the bottom there's a little Jesus sign here thing, right? And then sometimes we wonder why it doesn't work. Well, Jesus, on the other hand, has showed me something different. He showed me. He says, this is what you do. He says, here, here's a blank sheet of paper. Thomas, sign here. I said, what's going on in this paper? And then the Lord says, don't you trust me? <laughs> but, no buts. Either you do it. Sign your name here, which means that whatever I put on this piece of paper, you're going to do. And that's the way we should be. And if we, if we learn to do that, we'll find out that the Word of God and the things He has planned for us come to life. Because there's only life in the things that God puts in our life. Everything else is just plans. Right? Man makes his plans. But it's God who makes them come to pass. So, unusual thing. So, Nehemiah is in exile. And he's walking around moping. You know, he's a priest, right? And what's his, oh, he wants to rebuild Jerusalem. What do we do if we want to rebuild Jerusalem? Let's have a fundraising program. T-shirts, hot dogs, whatever it is, you know. Names on the seats of the chairs, you know, on the gym floor, etc., etc. Nehemiah's walking around like this, just all distressed. The king knows him, of course. He's, so I'm going to translate the whole passage for you, just modern day terms. Nehemiah, what's up? Why are you so mopey today? Oh, Jerusalem is in ruins, and I really want to build a temple again. I don't know what to do. Is that all? Here. Go build it. That's God's rebuilding plan. <laughs> there, was no, there was no... He still had to do the work. He still had to collect people. The king gave him his ring. He says, go. Get whatever you want. Do it. So when we live in this world, we have to realize that we live in a world that's run by money. It is. Who did Jesus say is the prince of this world? The devil. So even though God's sovereignty is over all of the universe, there's a lot of activity that has been controlled by the enemy. But that's okay. Scripture tells us that God gathers the riches of the ungodly so that his children may have something to eat. So I may have a really crooked boss. But guess what? It's providing me a job and a living, and I can take care of my family and many other people. Maybe I don't want to work for him once I find out what's going on, but God will take care of that too. What I'm saying is don't lock yourself so down that you only so much in a way that you think God's only going to work in this way if my things are all, ducks are all lined up in a row, and this is the way, and that's, nah. Anybody can be used by the Lord to bless His work. <clears throat> so, that's just a thing, you know. That wasn't even part of the sermon. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay, so this, is, this was me in my early, you know, I mean, I mean, I grew up in a culture where young people kept their mouth shut and old people, you know, spoke. And unless you were asked to, you did not, especially in, in gatherings and large gatherings. Because those guys knew what they were talking about. Sadly, we're not in that state anymore. Seems like a lot of old people don't know what they're talking about either even though they've been going to church for 70 years and 
They only learned the first two verses they did and nothing more. We should be growing in the Lord, right? So I said, Lord, I'm just nobody. I mean, I'm just a kid. What, what can I say? Right? The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said, I have put my words in your mouth. That he does, that's what he does for each of us. And we have to realize that we are the carriers of God's word, that we are the carriers of his goodness, that we're ambassadors in the name of Jesus, that the things that come out of us matter. The things we say to people matter. It doesn't matter whether you're, in a sense, like, well, holy person or unholy person, because that's, you know, the holiness of Christ it covers our nonsense, so to speak. And that's where we live. So when God gives us a word to speak, you're going to say, well, today I've just been terribly un-Jesus-like. How can God use me? Okay? So let me relate a story. You may have heard this before. Many years ago, I was working for another company, and I drove this huge truck that guzzled gas every time I pushed the pedal. You could hear it go. So, but it was a company truck. It was a benefit I had, and every three weeks I had to fill gas in it. It was a huge Ford 350 or something, I don't know, pickup truck that we hauled our production trailer with. And, you know, my office has been downtown as long as I've been working. And uh, at the corner of Hollywood and the bypass, there's an Exxon station there, you know. Uh, and uh, that was where our company account was for gas. So everybody went there, filled gas, and time to take it and leave. I've been doing this for years. And, I've, you know, some of them have been working there, the, some of the family members. I've seen some of the kids grow up, you know, because they just work with the family. So I'm in there one day, <clears throat> doing my usual. It's about 7.30 in the morning, and uh, I'm in there filling gas. And there's a guy behind the same guy that I've seen for the past 10 years, and he's got his arm in a sling, and, you know, and he's standing there trying to work everything one hand. And you know what we do? We make polite conversations. Oh, what's happened to your arm? Oh, I got the gout. Does it hurt? Yeah. Well, I hope it gets you feeling better. Yeah, thank you. Sign the ticket and leave, right? This is normal. This is what we would do. I've no sooner gone out the door and... Uh, got in my truck, and the Lord said, why didn't you pray for his arm? I'm like, so this is me. You guys know me one way. Here's the other side of me. I'm like, I haven't even had coffee. Don't bother me this morning. <laughs> why do you? And I ought to know better, right? I was just in a grumpy mood that day. <laughs> so I get in my truck, and I drive off. I've hit that Hollywood shopping center where the car washes, and, you know, it'll save a lot. And I can't go any further. <laughs> so I turned the truck around. And I come back over there. And these are the days when we still had full service going on. So there's a caddy sitting there with an older lady. And the guy's filling his gas. And they're both looking at me like this. And the guy's looking at me like. So I parked the car and walk up to him. And he's like, had that look on his face like, why are you back here? And I said, hey, man, can I pray for your arm? He goes, what? <laughs> I said, can I pray for your arm? Said, okay. And he held, his arm, he held his arm out. I'm just sharing the story to tell you. It does not matter who you are, what mood you're in, what your capability is. God can use a donkey, and today I was one. You just got to do what he tells you to do. And say what he tells you to say. So this is my prayer, literally. 
I said, Lord, you told me to come back and pray for this guy's arm. I don't know what you're planning to do, but I pray that you heal him in Jesus' name. Amen. That short, 30 seconds, got in my truck, left. Didn't wait to see, you know, I want to go get my coffee or whatever it was. I don't know. So three weeks later, I'm out there filling my gas, totally out of, forgotten all about this. And the same guy's there, you know, signs the ticket. I open the door to go out. And he goes, hey, man. I said, what? I said, I don't know what you did, but my arm got better. I went to the truck and cried for the next 30 minutes. You know, why would Jesus pick <laughs> me on a day that I did not want to do anything, send me to somebody who needed prayer and do something about it? And you see it in Scripture, too. I mean, look at Jonah. He ran the other and the whale came and spit him out, and then he was angry that all of Nineveh got saved, and he looked like a fool. The Word of God is put in our mouth, and we have to go say it to whoever he sends us to. And then our life becomes strong, and we become the strong ones in the world. If we don't, I'm telling you, the exact opposite will happen. You'll stop speaking, and you'll become a fearful person. And never speak when the truth is required. So, you know, <clears throat> we're living in very unprecedented times. I mean, things have happened like this through history. But the pandemic, you know, in, in, in many ways has forced us to examine our lives and make some judgments about the way we've been living, right? Have you been forced to examine what you're doing and what really matters, right? What are the things that are really important in our lives? Toilet paper. <laughs> Can't remember the, the run for toilet paper. I mean, what in our lives? What relationships are the really meaningful ones? Where are the people who are going to be with you, for you, do things for you when you can't do it yourself? Right? Who's going to be around? When you need them. What are the things that we found that we can really live without? Because we live in a very materialistic society. And I'm not preaching against stuff. I'm just saying these are the things that make you want to think about what's going on. What are the things that we can really live without? So many things. I mean, because you're not going shopping every day anymore. You know, you're not going eating out every day anymore. You're not fellowshipping, <laughs> which I really, really missed. Getting together with people. Who are the ones who care for you? What are the things that brought fear into your life? A lot of people still living in fear. <gasps> what if, what if, what if? Blesses the Lord. Blesses the man who trusts in the Lord. He will be like Mount Zion. He shall not be shaken. So these are things that make us examine what we believe. Right? Then what are the strengths that you discovered in yourself and in other people? I discovered a lot of people are able to do some things that I never thought they could because they were forced to in some ways. And myself too. Creative ways to do things at work. Make things happen. You know, still produce fruit in your life and still speak to people, still pray with people. Or whatever it is, maybe it's just your work itself. Right? 
And then how have you been forced to think differently? I've been forced to think differently. And the things that how much of the important things in my life I have neglected. There are relationships, time with the Lord. See, when you're in isolation, when you can't go out and do anything else, you're forced to think about certain things you don't want to think about. You can't always, I'm sure you could have the TV on all the time and be, you know, surfing the internet and occupy it. But at some point, you'll stop doing that too because it's just overload. And then you have to sit down and be still and think about what is going on. The promises of the Lord haven't changed, right? They're still good and true forever. So which means that God is trying to say something to us. And this is what I found out. What's the first thing that Jeremiah said? I set you apart, right? The Lord told Jeremiah, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He was, alas, Lord. And this seems to be the crux of most humankind's problems. Alas, Lord. And we think of all the 200,000 things that we can say to disqualify us from the thing the Lord has already said we are. Think about it. What was the very first verse? It says, For before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The Lord said, this is done deal. And the first words out of Jeremiah's mouth, and my mouth a lot of times, alas, Lord, legitimate. I'm just a child. I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm not a musician. I'm not a preacher. I'm not, you know, gifted administrator. I'm not, I mean, I can barely put my pants on and brush my teeth. Alas, Lord. <laughs> this seems to be a good way for us to wiggle out of our responsibilities and the things that God gives us to do. Alas, Lord. I don't have the money. Alas, Lord. I don't have the time. Alas, Lord. My kids. Alas, Lord. My friends. Alas, Lord. My relationships. Alas, Lord. My church. Alas, Lord. My pastor. Whatever excuse you want to find. This is human nature, okay? Don't kick, beat yourself up too much about it, but we need to understand what we're doing. That these alas lords keep us from being the person that God has already told us who we are. So as soon as you find yourself going, but Lord, alas Lord, just stop, count again, then ask the Lord what he's really trying to say. And what will the Lord do every time? He will touch you. He'll put his word in your mouth and say, go, do this. So the first step that the Lord gave Jeremiah was go and speak to whoever I send you to. He still doesn't know who he's speaking to. He doesn't know where he's going. But he says, this is what you got to do. So you'll find out in everyday life. But you don't know sometimes who you're going to speak to. This is my, I have never gone looking for an opportunity to minister out of my way. It's always walked up to me, smack dab in the middle of whatever I'm doing. Now, there are other times when people call you, you know, for ministry or whatever. That's different. But in everyday life, there's not this bubble where Jesus, there's a Jesus place where you kind of bring people in. Okay, meet Jesus. And then you take them out and go to Jesus. Jesus is everywhere. Wherever you are, 
Jesus is there with you. His presence is with you. His strength is with you. His spirit is with you. He does not depart. You know? Jesus doesn't wait outside the bathroom while you're in there taking care of business. He doesn't wait outside the restaurant while you're eating. He does not go, he's not waiting outside a meeting when you're having a confrontational issue with your boss or your coworkers. He is there. And unless we learn to think that way and change our mind, we'll forever find ourselves trying to deal with problems in the human way. We're not normal people. We've got to understand that. Christians are not normal people. I'm not making it up. Scripture says you are a peculiar people and a chosen generation. You know the word peculiar means strange. Yes, you're one of those strange, weird Christian people. It's okay, because you have the ability to do things and to see things and to encounter things and to handle things differently than in a way for people who do not have Jesus. They don't have a choice in what they do. It's only the Spirit of the Lord inside of us that gives us the ability to produce the fruit of the Spirit and to live according to the Word of God. That's it. You think back on your life. I know that before I got saved, I mean, I just did whatever the heck I wanted to do. And after the Spirit of the Lord invaded my heart, I could no longer do those things in clear conscience. I mean, I have guilty conscience when I do something that I'm not supposed to do. Before that, I didn't care. I didn't care who thought what. My parents or my friends, I just do whatever the heck I want to do. But now, I can't get away with it. You know, some people, God says God got you in a short lease. God's got me by my collar most of the time. You know, happens to stubborn people. They can't be put on a leash anymore. So, we live in a, you know, Scripture talks about that the kingdom of God is is one of violence and that the violent take it, right? What what does that mean? Because Jesus was a pretty peaceful person. The only place we saw him get really upset was in the church. What does that mean? We are in a war, folks. We are in a war every day. And unless you learn, and this is what the whole armor of God and all that is given, unless we learn to be militant in our approach to the things that are not of God, we will suffer for it. So, put on the whole armor of God. You heard the whole passage, right? The breastplate of what? Righteousness, the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, shield of faith. Where's the offensive weapon in all this stuff? The sword, and what is the sword in this case? Is the word, as if you're fully armored, somebody comes at you and you do not use your offensive weapon. Not die, matured, hunkered down in defensive pose, never taking care of business. So the word of God is put in our heart and our mouth so that we can deal with these things. And there's power in the word. In the name of Jesus, it does a lot of things. You don't always have to be loud about it, but it does. Right? Take the sword and go cut the enemy's head off. Don't sit around saying, oh God, I'm getting things thrown at me. Whether you like it or not, if you follow Jesus, this is who you are. Better get with the program. (laughs) Get your sword and go out and fight. 
<clears throat> Many years ago, I heard in passing a message by Pastor Yong Cho, who was at that time pastor of the world's largest churches in Seoul, Korea, had 300,000 members or something like that. And I was living with my uncle going to college at, one, and at that time, and he had all these cassettes of all these preachers, you know. And he used to listen to them all the time. And I passed by his room, and this is the only thing I heard. I must have been, I don't know, 19 years old. I don't remember, 20 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And he goes, and you know, he had the obvious Korean accent and voice, and he was going, you Americans, when you... Get up in the morning and go before the Lord. You say, Lord, I need this today, and will you please take care of that problem? And my bank account is like this, and, and, and please help me. You know what I say when I get up in the morning? Devil, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I have never forgotten that line. But this guy's attitude towards his day and my attitude towards the day are to totally two different planets. But today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And today the Lord has given me things to do. He has given me words to say. He has given me activities to do. He has given me ministry to do. But it's not always that, you know, we've, what we've done is we have made ministry something that happens when you come down to the front of the church. It's not. Where do you spend your most of your time? It's not here. Your greatest altar of worship is where you spend the most time at. And if Jesus is not real there, he's never real. I'm sorry if that strikes you a little hard, but that's the way it is. I'm at work more than anywhere else. And then after that, home probably. And those two places are the greatest places for me to do the thing that the Lord has given me to do. Sometimes it's through work. Sometimes I'll be passing by somebody's office. And the Spirit of the Lord will prompt me and say, pray for that person. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, they're in another department. I'm just walking down the hallway getting coffee. What do you mean pray for that person? Well, I go pray for the person. I'm telling you. I've left so many rooms of people crying because they didn't think anybody cared. And the, when you start opening your mouth, so you, you say, well, I don't know what to say. Well, don't just listen for the nudge of the Holy Spirit, okay? He doesn't give his 200-page plan to you because you can't handle it if he did. If the Lord told you everything he had stored for your life, you'll run out here screaming like a mad person because you couldn't take it. Sometimes he'll show you something he wants to do 10 years down the road. Most times he doesn't. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, some of you guys may have actually used a lamp on a lamp. How much light? I grew up this way on the mission field. We had to use those old kerosene lanterns. Anytime it got dark, that's what we had. Not flashlights because kerosene burns a lot longer than AA batteries do. <laughs> How much light is thrown out? Just take a guess. How much light do you think? Even with a flashlight. What, six feet, ten feet? Right? Now, unless you got one of those big, honking big tack lights and then you're 200 feet. Okay, so 200 feet, fine. We can't see any further than that. When you get there, you can see another 200 feet. But till you get there, this is the only light you got. So this is the way the Lord's Word works, okay? He gives you one thing to do. It'll be a very small thing. But if you don't move on it, the next big thing He's got for you never happens. 
You got to do the first thing he tells you. And the first thing he tells you could be, why don't you pray for that guy's arm? So I'd turn around and go and do the thing I needed to do. Because I knew in my heart that that's what I needed to do, regardless of how I felt. So you don't need to feel good. You don't need to feel bad. You don't need to feel powerful. You don't need to feel sinless. You don't need to feel holy. Just do the thing that God tells you to do. When, as soon as you put your hand to the thing that he tells you to do, waters will part for you. We're not weak people, folks. <laughs> God is my father, and he's the strength in me. He wields a sword that cut through anything. His word created the earth. Ephesians tells us what? That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us. And Paul's saying that I hope that you understand this. So fear will keep you from moving in that direction. And that's one of the enemy's greatest. What if? Or what if I'm wrong? So what if you're wrong? You will learn in time when it's your brain going and when it's the word of God you learned in certain day. God will use what you do for him for good purposes. Don't be obnoxious about it, right? I've got the word of God. You need to listen to me or die. That's not the way it works. Most of the time, like I said, I don't look for it. When you're there, the Lord will nudge me and say, hey, go over there and talk to that person. I don't, I don't know who they are. I just go talk to them. And somewhere in the conversation, something happens. The door opens, and you go, okay, and you leave. I just met a lady the other day. We were at a pre- uh, JAMA meeting, which is a Jacksonary Ministerial Association. We met for the first time since March. And... Uh, she's a, like a director for faith-based initiatives in West Tennessee or something like that. But, you know, we happen to, they're socially distanced. There's only two people at a table, a big round six-foot table, right? So we did whatever they asked us to do, and we were talking. And after a while, I got to think, and I go, did I pray for you last time you were here? Because I thought, I, she says, yes, it changed my life. I'm like, okay, I don't remember what I said. What happened is they come to speak. And after now, after, after I got thinking about it, I just went over to talk to her, and the Lord gave me a prophetic word for her. And that was the day. She's like, you know, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but you told me exactly what. what I didn't know I was going to do that. And someone like, well, you got a prophetic gift. I said, all of us have prophetic gifts in the sense that we carry the word of God in us, and we are given the responsibility to discharge it. Okay? <clears throat> 2 Timothy 1.7. What does Scripture say? For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Because I don't know what version I gave you. Make us timid. Okay. That's the NIV. But gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Okay. The King James Version says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Same thing. So we're not people who should be fearful. And God has given us a sound mind. So you can be assured that whatever he's asking you to do is good. It's not some crazy thing. I felt that way sometimes. Are you sure, Lord? You know, I mean, there are a lot of people here. You want me to stop and pray? So this happens. So I'm at the gym, uh, the lift one day, and the Lord asked me to pray for somebody who's running on the track. They're hobbling. I'm like, uh, ooh, okay, there's a lot of people running around me. <laughs> you sure want me to stop? So first thing I do, and we should also learn to do this, 
Jesus can hear you if your eyes are open, believe it or not. <laughs> he can. God can hear you if you pray with your eyes open. So what happens this is the first place of uncomfortable that comes up when you're in public, okay? He said, let me pray for you. But he goes like this. Then all of a sudden, you, all the antennas go off. Or those go crazy. I said, okay, keep your eyes open. I'm going to pray for you. Okay, don't close it. That's what I say. And then I pray. It's okay. We close our eyes so that we don't, we're not distracted by things. But don't be afraid of doing that in whatever the God asks you to, sends you to do it. Because he has a thing for you to take care of that day. And, you know, unless you do, it's not going to happen. Two things in terms of the word. <clears throat> There's a, a form of the word that's used in Greek, at least, which is logos, logos. And there's the rhema. They both mean the word. The logos is a personified person. When a word becomes real, when it materializes into somebody or some person, then it becomes logos, okay? So Jesus, the word of God became, in the beginning was the word, word was God, and then what? It became flesh. So the word got personified, and that's referred to as logos. So there's that word. It's also referred to as the word, the word that we have in terms of the Bible, okay? So that's the written word. Then there's the other word called rhema, which is something that comes out of you through inspiration or some manifestation. So, so that's just generic Greek, okay? But in scripture terms, in biblical terms, it means the word that the Lord puts into you that comes out of your mouth. Okay? When Jesus was uh, in the desert, what did he say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In this life, we're given, because the power of the Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit is in us, we have the ability to speak the things of God that need to be spoken. And sometimes we get in the way, but we do have that ability. Fill yourself with the word. And he says, you know, Scripture tells us what? Study to show yourself a workman that doesn't need to be approved, right? So we're not studying so we can gain knowledge. We're studying so that we can prepare ourselves for the time when the Lord requires the word to come out of us. Even Jesus did that, right? When the devil was tempting him, what did he do? He spit out scripture. Do not test the Lord, you know? Uh, so this is what. So we don't study just to accumulate knowledge. I mean, knowledge is a good thing. But to, to know what, so what happens, like, I'm sure there's several people here who've been in the military or have been in service of some sort, and you train, right? You know, you train. I'm sure, Glenn, when you were on the highway patrol, you had to go do your shooting tests and make sure your certification is good. Well, how many times in your career do you think you've used your gun? Five times? Okay. That's a long career. He's been THB for a long time. He's retired now. But you can't just show up and start using a gun if you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> so fill your hearts with the Word of God, the things of God, messages of God, people of God, so that when the Holy Spirit says, hey, I need you to do this, you're not going, huh, what's that? 
And he's moving. He ain't stopping for you to figure out, open the manual in the middle of a war. So be ready. Put on the whole armor of God. Take the gospel of truth. Take the word, the word of God, which is a sword given to you. Inside you and also outside. So sometimes you're quoting scripture. Other times you're speaking prophetic words. Don't know how it's going to work out. God knows. Just listen to the next thing he tells you to do. As soon as you get there, you'll find out what you're supposed to do. You never get to your destination if you don't take the first step. If all you do is sit and plan, sit and plan, sit and plan, sit and plan, sit and plan. It becomes a paralysis of analysis, they call it. Can't move anymore. Because you're wifing and that's not good enough, whatever it is. <clears throat> so earlier on when I first started this, I said, you know, the, the pandemic has uh, forced us to think about things. So evaluations of life and who we are and what we are are perfectly fine. But they're absolutely no use if you do not intend to change your actions based on those evaluations. The purpose of an evaluation or judgment is to see where you are and where you need to go. It's not meant to kill you. It's meant to tell you that, look, you can't lift 200 pounds right now. You need to start at 100 and build your strength up to 200. It's not bad thing that you can't lift 200. You're just not ready for that. You can't run a marathon because you can barely last a mile. So you've got to work on a training routine so that you get to where you can run a marathon. And the life in Christ is like that. Just because you're not performing at the level of a more mature Christian or, you know, doing well, you know, he's a great man of God. Great men of God are people who obey God all the time. They've gotten used to it, so God gives them more stuff to do. If you don't do the first thing he's giving you to do, why should he give you another thing to do? Why would I want to do that? So it's not a critical thing. It's an encouragement from the Lord saying, you need to take care of this first step because I have more things. Really, I have more good stuff coming your way. But I know that if you don't take care of step number one, step number two, three, and four, and five are not going to work out. Nobody becomes a certain thing just like that. Even going bad. You know, you do one wrong thing, another wrong thing, another wrong thing, another wrong thing, and before you know, person's gone bad. Well, it didn't happen overnight. So we have to put ourselves in the path of instruction, of being, being spoken to by people of God. Somebody may come up to say, look, I was praying for you, and the Lord showed me this. You have to take it, whether you like it or not. It might be good, it might be bad. I don't know. The Lord knows what you need, and He's going to send you what you need when you can't see for yourself. So, you know, if you're children in the house under the authority of your parents, then they are your first place of authority. They're your first place of authority. It's not your pastor. It's not your youth pastor. It's nobody else. Your parents in the house are the first place of authority. If they advise you, take their advice, especially if they're godly people. If they're not godly people, then you need to maybe seek some outside counsel. But, yeah. Do what they ask you to do. There's blessing. Ecclesia says, you know, if you would live long life, you know, listen to the instructions of your parents. Right? <clears throat> and then so, whatever God shows you about yourself, good, bad, and ugly, is not meant to paralyze us, but to move us to the next place we need to go. Okay? So take that in a good spirit. No discipline is good. 
at the time that was given, but it's for our improvement. But know this, that we can't use the excuse, alas, Lord. Why would the Lord, God Almighty, who is the most intelligent person in the universe, come to you and ask you to do something if he thinks you can't do it? There's a little logic. Forget Christianity, just a logic thing. At that point, we have to have faith to believe that the one who began our faith, the author, is also able to finish the things that he put in us. For I know whom I believe, I'm fully persuaded that he's able to finish that which I've committed into his hands. I paraphrase it a little bit. That's Paul. So I do not trust in myself. I do not trust in my own strength. I do not trust in my own abilities. I try to put myself in the way of God. I'm not very successful at it. But I found this out. If I just do what the Lord tells me to do, that I'm in a better place than if I don't do. And the more I do it, it becomes easier. And after a while, the things that bother you and get in your way start falling aside because you've kind of gotten in a groove about doing the things, and the other things don't matter so much anymore. You know? I'd be satisfied if I can just do one thing today that the Lord asked me to do. I'm not even looking for the ten different things, but some big will of God, some lightning from the sky to hit me and say, no. Heck, I don't know. Might be stopping on my way to Kroger and running to somebody there who needs encouragement. I don't know. I'll leave you with another last story and then we'll be done. So I was at Outback with my best friend and his wife and Tina and myself. He said, let's go out and eat. So this was long before all the COVID stuff. And uh, we were eating, you know, steak and blooming onions. So that's where we went. <laughs> And uh, we were waiting on a table by a young man. For some reason, as soon as I saw his face, I knew he was in distress. I don't know how to explain. I just have now over a period of time, I've come to find out it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. So our plan was to do that, then go over to Starbucks and get coffee. <clears throat> that was one of those evenings, you know. So we got done, and the Lord told me, give him an extra $20. Not on your tip, just put it in his hand and say, this is a sign to you that the Lord loves you and you need to know that he cares about your needs. I'm like, okay. I had 20 bucks. That's all I had in my pocket. So we get done with the meal and the guys, and you know, it's that stage where you're, they know you're done. He's giving you your ticket and, you know, he's just waiting for you to clear the table. So next person. I'm sitting there, and you, you know, my friends got done and they said, okay, let's go. I said, you guys go on, we'll be right there. We'll just go on and wait for us. I'll be right there. I didn't say what was going on because, you know. And I told Tina, I said, I got to wait because I don't know where this guy is. And I said, Lord, one minute. If he doesn't show up in the next minute, I'm leaving. So I'm literally standing up to leave. Here he comes walking. And I go, hey, man. And I said, Lord wants you to know he loves you. I don't know what you're going through right now, but maybe it's a rough patch, whatever it is. But this money is a token of his care for you. Just so you have something tangible in you. You know, that guy started crying right there. And he goes, can I give you a hug? And he gives me a hug right there. And he says, I'm going through a really rough time right now. I don't know. I'm so glad you said blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. And I leave. So, if I had not waited that extra minute, 
this guy would have been whatever state. I don't know. I've, I don't know where the guy is or what it did to his life or, you know, whether it was something. But it's a small thing. It wasn't complicated. I just had to get over myself, you know. Being in a restaurant and, and just talking to a guy and, you know, that's all. I'm encouraging you that God has things for you to do every day and to say they're not complicated. It's easy. Jesus said, my burden is, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It'll come to you. Just put yourself in the path. And then the word, after he touches you, the rhema that comes out of you is going to make a difference in people's lives. It'll make a difference in your own life. Because all of a sudden, you'll find yourself being freed of constraints that you placed on yourself in terms of ministry, in terms of location, places. None of those things will matter anymore. Only what God tells you to do or asks you to do. Amen? I hope this has been helpful. Most of my messages aren't meant to, like, point one, you know, file it away. No, they're meant to, you need to chew on the things that God puts in. Think about what it's going to produce in, you know. It's just a seed. It has to grow. So uh, that, that's, what, that's what I was hoping to, I don't know, as soon as I was asked to preach, this, this thing just jumped into my mind. I didn't even know what the details were till a few days ago. And, uh, you know, but these two verses are given. I have put my word in your mouth. Now you must go and speak to whoever I send you to and do not be terrified by them. I will rescue you. Amen? Father, I just thank you and I praise you. I pray, Lord, that everybody who has heard the word today will be encouraged, Lord, to move in the direction that you have for them, that you have good things. Your word tells us that you have the plans that you have for us are for good and not for evil. And therefore, our prosperity and not <laughs> the other way, Lord. So, Lord, Father, we just commit ourselves in your hands. And, Lord, I pray that you give us sensitive spirits to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying so that we may act accordingly. And give us boldness, Father, that we put on the whole armor of God and become warriors in the kingdom, not afraid, not namby-pamby Christians, Lord, but people who will fight for the things that matter for the kingdom of God, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray that you give us that militant spirit, Lord. Give us that spirit and courage and boldness to stand in the things that you've given us to do. So, Father, we just ask you that your will be done, your kingdom come, that what is in heaven will become manifest on earth in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.